Hello, everybody. It is Michael here, back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. Make sure to check out the merch and the Patreon linked in the description below. Appreciate everyone's support on those. Really does mean a lot. We got a ton to talk about in this episode. I want to talk about the Nuggets, the Mavericks, the Warriors, the Bucks, and do a rookie report card. So, yeah, let's just get right into the episode. First team I want to talk about is the Denver Nuggets, who I've been closely monitoring all year and have been just super interested to see how they were going to do after a great, super successful year last year. And ever since they made the big acquisition for Aaron Gordon, which I thought was a phenomenal move, they've really been streaking, playing some excellent basketball and look like a dangerous team right now I've been so impressed with how this team is just flowing because I still don't even think they've hit their potential yet considering that Aaron Gordon has only been there for a couple games they're going to continue to click and get more chemistry with them and just as a whole this team is really really turning up and everyone is just playing their best basketball ball right now and it's looked phenomenal out there they're the fourth offense points per game wise eighth in opponents points per game third in assists just overall playing super well-rounded great team basketball uh, it obviously starts off with Nikola Jokic I'm not going to talk about him too much because we all know how good Jokic is he's been the best player so far this year and he's having one of the greatest seasons of all time which I really don't think is being mentioned enough just how ridiculous of a season this is he's averaging 26 and a half points 11 rebounds and eight and a half assists on a near 65 percent true shooting that is crazy and it's just always so fun to just see how they run their offense because everything revolves around Nikola Jokic and it's just such a unique system and I do Uh, Got to give a ton of credit to Mike Malone for just how over the years he's really understood how to get the perfect players alongside Jokic, and that's also credit to their front office, and then how to utilize everyone to fit Jokic's skill set, and he's just been so amazing this year. In my opinion, at this point, I think he's the best post player in the NBA. I think Embiid has better footwork, even though Jokic's footwork is phenomenal, Uh, but the thing that takes him over the top for me uh, is that Jokic probably has one of, if not the best touch that I've ever seen. This guy makes so many shots that are just absolutely ridiculous. And the thing is, as a defense, you can't do anything about Jokic because if if he's in single coverage, then he's probably just going to hit a really tough shot over his defender, even if they play perfect defense. And then if you double him, they have all these really good cutters on the team. And adding Aaron Gordon definitely helps that. And Jokic does such a amazing job of hitting those cutters and then getting them easy opportunities at the basket he's just had such a legendary season definitely my MVP so far one of my favorite players in the league I just don't know how you can't love watching Nikola Jokic and you can't just admit that he has probably been the best player this year he's been so fantastic and everyone in Denver is definitely just super lucky to have such a great guy to lead your franchise in Nikola Jokic and he's done such an amazing job of that this year shout out to him on just a phenomenal season so far really hope he can win MVP because I love me some Jokic I need me a jersey that guy is just so so special And he's definitely already just proven to be one of the greatest second-round picks of all time and is having a legendary season. Jamal Murray is playing very, very well, being that second option that they need, which is just perfect. He's a guy who doesn't need to play like he did in the bubble because what he did in the bubble was 
like top five point guard caliber play. But my thing about Jamal Murray has always been inconsistency and in at uh, the beginning of the season when he was dealing with some nagging injuries, he was being pretty inconsistent, but especially as of late, he's been a consistent around 21 to 23 points per game, shooting the ball really, really well from outside, and then being the creator on the perimeter uh, that they need, which is just perfect. Him and Jokic have such good chemistry. Uh, that pick and roll where honestly either of them are the ball handler is so dangerous. I love all the off-ball action that they run for him. I went back to watch the Clippers game because I wanted to talk about this Nuggets team and I thought that Clippers game would be a good example of it so I really just wanted to pay attention to all the little details and it really just stood out to me how much off-ball action they run for Jamal Murray and how successful it is they got a lot of good screeners on this team and because of how dangerous he is as a three-point shooter it just causes the defense to scramble and then that gives open opportunities like Aaron Gordon had multiple wide open threes multiple easy cuts to the basket and it just works so well it's another thing that Mike Malone is doing a very good job of coaching and I always love when a player is good off ball because I just think that always makes a player so much better obviously you want to be able to dominate with the ball in your hands but especially with how many playmakers and how many guys who can get buckets on this team everybody needs to be willing to be off the ball as well and do well in that role and Jamal Murray's absolutely done that really good year for him and I think he's being that consistent second guy that they need and giving Jokic the help that he needs, making them one of the most dynamic one-two punches in the NBA. He's looked really, really good this year. I've been uh, pretty impressed by him so far. Michael Porter Jr., who I've always been a big fan of his game, but was definitely a little bit disappointed with him. Uh, coming off COVID, he definitely struggled for a while, but especially recently, in the past like 20 or so games, he's been playing excellent basketball, averaging around 19 to 20 points per game, being that third guy that uh, they need and if he can be this consistent of a score for them that really just makes such an amazing big three because all these guys are so dynamic as scores and they just work off each other so well because they do it all in different ways Jokic is the guy who everything runs through he's going to be the guy in the post dominating down low but he can also handle the ball he can uh, shoot from outside shoot from the mid-range area Michael Porter Jr. is one of the better off-ball players I've seen of all time which may sound like a lot but it's just completely true like he's a master of off-ball movement and there can't be a more perfect fit than him in Denver with a guy like Nikola Jokic where he can use his amazing off-ball ability for it's just so beautiful and the way he also uh, just uh, is able to hit super tough shots on a frequent basis because he's one of those guys who is a tough shot taker and sometimes when those shots aren't going in it can look a little bit rough but when those shots are going in he looks like a mini Kevin Durant and he's had a really really nice uh, year so far in his second season hopefully he continues this upward uh, trajectory because again that just makes one of the best big threes and these guys all fit so well together uh, Murray's going to be the guy who's creating on the perimeter, running pick and rolls, also running off-ball action. Mike Porter Jr. is occasionally going to be creating for himself, but it's usually pretty quick. Uh, he's not going to do like a long ISO, and then he's such a great off-ball player, and then Jokic is the thing that everything runs through. So now you got your true big three, and just all three of these guys can get you uh, 20 points per game, and then it's just about surrounding them with good role players, which I think they have absolutely done. 
the Aaron Gordon acquisition, I obviously loved it when they made it, but it is looking so amazing. Like, it has just been so beautiful with Aaron Gordon uh, over there. It fits perfectly. He's the guy that they needed. It was the one hole on their team that they were really, really missing, which was that guy who could be a Swiss army knife, guard multiple positions, and be a very, very uh, good defender while still being a capable offensive player. It's the Jeremy Grant role that they were missing, and I think they are getting that completely from Aaron Gordon, and it's worked so perfectly. I was watching that Clippers game, like I was saying, and he he was doing an amazing job of guarding Kawhi Leonard. It was phenomenal how he was able to guard Kawhi and really give him a lot of troubles. And obviously, you're not going to completely stop those players. I'll always say this. When you're talking about the elite of the elite, the top caliber players in the NBA, you are never going to be able to shut them down. The only reason why they will struggle is because they're having an off night and they're stopping themselves. The thing about these type of players is you just have to do your best job you can to contain them. And that's exactly what Aaron Gordon did. So many possessions, he just made it hard for Kawhi, which makes him tired and uh, makes him start forcing these tough mid-range jumpers, which he's obviously great at. Uh, but those aren't the best quality of shots, and it kind of stalls the offense. He did such a great job on the defensive side of the ball, and that's just absolutely what they need and we're really missing out on was that uh, size and versatility at the forward position. And I think the thing that I honestly have just liked the most about this acquisition is that I've always liked Aaron Gordon as a player. My one thing about him was I feel like he was always misutilized in Orlando and was asked to do things that simply uh, weren't him as a player. But now that he's in uh, the system of Denver, he just fits so perfectly as a guy who stands in the, in the dunker spot, which has just been beautiful. Beautiful. There's already been so many times throughout these uh, three or so games that he's played with Denver where Jokic will be in the post. They'll have to send a double because he's maybe scored uh, like eight points in a row just because he's such a dominant force. And then Jokic has eyes in the back of his head, hits Aaron Gordon. That's an easy dunk down low. That has worked perfectly. He is struggling a bit from three, but he's getting good looks. And he's not a great three-point shooter, but he's a pretty average one. So I do expect those to start hitting at a, a decent enough rate. And he's just uh, been an amazing fit for them. I absolutely love everything he's brought to that team so far. And it's been looking really, really good. Uh, he's not even putting up crazy numbers. But if you're watching the game, his impact on them is so massive so far. And that has been just amazing to see. I love that pickup so much. It's really proven to be one of the best moves at the trade deadline and fixed my one thing that I was criticizing about them, which was just versatility on the defensive side of the ball at the forward position. And he's absolutely brought that. They got a ton of other nice just role players. Will Barron, even though he can be a bit up and down, a bit streaky, takes some bad shots at times. He's a guy who's a pretty good scorer, can create his own shot, play make a bit as well, like what he brings to the team. Compazzo is the guy that everyone on the team loves. 5'10", uh, definitely uh, not the most athletic guy out there, but one of the uh, better and just higher basketball IQ guys that is in the league. 
uh, tries really hard on the defensive side of the ball. Great playmaker, shoots the ball well enough to Paul Millsap and Jamichael Green kind of play the same role as guys who can play the forward position, uh, can also play some small ball center occasionally as well, and are just two super smart players. Both shoot the three incredibly well, both around 40% three-point shooters. Also decent on the defensive side of the ball, even though they may lack the athleticism needed to guard some of these uh, great wings in the league. I think they play a perfect role in this team. Monte Morris is one of the best backup point guards in the NBA and has been that for a long time. He plays his role perfectly. Uh, Zeke Naji is their rookie who plays pretty limited minutes. He's a uh, big who uh, I thought was going to be a center coming into the league, but has actually mostly played the four position, and he shot the ball really well. Uh, he's going to get limited run, but I think he's uh, done pretty well in that run. JaVale McGee should be a reliable backup center for them. P.J. Dozier is a forward uh, slash guard who can play some pretty decent defense and bring some things occasionally on the offensive side of the ball. Like Everything just makes sense within the uh, construct of the team. And then with Mike Malone at the helm coaching everything, I think this is a team that definitely has a chance uh, to make the finals. I think if the Lakers uh, aren't healthy, which is a big if with them, I mean, both of their star players are injured, and I'll always be so scared by that AD injury because it's one of those injuries, just like the KD injury, that just worries me so much that it could turn into something much more. And obviously, I'm not hoping that happens. I'm really hoping that AD will be all good because it always sucks when we have to uh, do what ifs because a certain team isn't healthy. But per se, if the Lakers weren't healthy, the Denver Nuggets would be my personal pick to make it out of the Western Conference. I just think this team is so talented. I think they have uh, the perfect star player uh, to win a championship with as a guy you can run your entire offense through. Such a unique talent at the big man position. I think they have a great co-star in Jamal Murray who can create his own shot at the end of games and be another closer alongside Jokic. I think they have a really good third guy in Michael Porter Jr. who's continuing to emerge and uh, will probably be even better than he is right now by playoff time uh, and they just have all the perfect role players good defenders and smart players around that big three and that nucleus that make this team really really dangerous love the Denver Nuggets love everything that they've been doing ever since Aaron Gordon got there they've been a team I've been modern monitoring heavy and I definitely think uh, they're a contender in this league and they've been playing some of the best basketball out of anybody recently shout out to the Denver Nuggets uh, and I'm really really excited to see how this team plays out because they are dangerous for sure fifth seed right now and I think they could easily get up to that third seed before we know it this team is fantastic Next team I want to talk about is a team that is really, really struggling, and that is the Golden State Warriors. They are 3-7 and seven in their last 10 and are nearly out of the play-in tournament. It has definitely been a rough stretch of basketball for them. The Kings are only a game behind them, and they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. The Pelicans are a team that's super up and down, and they're only a game and a half behind them. And it's just definitely been a very interesting season to watch uh, the Golden State Warriors. Obviously, Steph Curry has been injured for a good amount of games recently and has just been uh, out a bit. So that obviously doesn't help. And that's obviously a big part to why they're struggling because I actually saw a stat. And this, this blew my mind that the Warriors without Steph Curry on the floor 
are the 11th worst offense in NBA history by offensive rating. That is crazy. And I mean, we saw it in that game against the Raptors, which they were down by 60 at one point. If the MVP actually meant uh, what it says, which is most valuable player, I think you'd have to give it to Steph Curry. Steph Curry makes this team run so much, and they always do pretty well when he's on the floor, but when he is off the floor, this team is a disaster, and it's not because necessarily they have just a bunch of awful players, but the thing is, this team is so built around Steph Curry, especially this year with the absence of Klay Thompson and with them having to rely on some more young guys. This team is so heavily built around Steph and Curry that when he's not on the floor it just seems like these guys don't know how to function I think that comes uh, a lot down to coaching Steve Kerr is a guy who I say I'd probably like more than most people do and think he's a better coach than most people do but at a certain point I do have to just criticize him for some of the ways he uh, coaches these guys because this offense is something that does work so well when Steph Curry is on the floor because he can make up for a lot of the deficiencies in it. But when he is not on the floor and you're running the same offense but with much worse players, it just doesn't work like that. My thing is about Steve Kerr, the thing I think I'd criticize him most about a coach with him is just the lack of adjustments he makes. Like when Steph Curry is not on the floor, you have to run a completely different offense. And I even saw something uh, talking about this earlier in the year where it was talking like he was running, uh, he was running like algebra two uh, offense with uh, students who haven't even been in pre-algebra yet which just made complete sense like this is an offense that relies on having great players and when he does have great players on the floor it works perfectly but when he doesn't it can just really look like a mess and they look so awful without curry on the floor because even though draymond is a good player and even though wiggins has had a pretty solid season and uh, kelly Oubre has been solid as well the depth on this team is the thing that is really, really lacking. And this is what they sacrificed to win championships. And obviously, they wouldn't take it back. They've been so successful over the past decade. But this is the one thing that they did sacrifice uh, with paying these guys so much and then kind of just uh, getting rid of a lot of uh, picks and, and not really drafting that high is that they didn't have a lot of... Uh, back-end talent that could help them in the future. And while certain guys like uh, Jordan Poole have had a solid year, it's just not enough, especially when Curry isn't on the floor. Draymond is such an impactful player. Like, he's a guy who I, again, probably like more than a lot of people do just due to the fact that I think his value he brings to any team is so important and is so underrated by a lot of people with his leadership, his fantastic playmaking ability, his ability on the defensive side of the ball. But he's one of those guys who, when uh, good players aren't on the floor, he's just not going to be super impactful. And I don't think that's a negative against Draymond. A lot of people take that as a negative against Draymond, but I, 
Uh, I don't because at the end of the day, when uh, you got good players, Draymond is one of the first guys you want to put alongside them to win championships due to how unselfish he is and due to how willing he is just to commit to winning basketball. But sometimes when it's just him and younger players on the floor, it can definitely look rough sometimes. Kelly Oubre is one of those guys who puts up pretty solid numbers, and he's a decent player, but he isn't anything special by any means. He's not a good enough shooter. He's shooting 30% from three this year, 69% from the free throw line. He has one of the worst basketball IQs, especially for the system that I've seen. There's been so many times where he's just not in the right places. His playmaking is pretty poor. And that is an underrated thing about being on this Warriors team is that you need a high basketball IQ because the offense is so nuanced and everyone has their specific roles. And I just feel like way too often I'm seeing Kelly Oubre be in the wrong spot and getting in the way of a guy like Curry. Uh, even Andrew Wiggins, who I got to give a ton of credit on having uh, a pretty good season because he's been much better than I expected. He's one of those guys who still isn't a super high IQ player. Again, he's been way better this year. He's shooting almost 40% from three, better on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't think he's part of the problem. And I actually think as long as they wouldn't be able to get maybe some like star player out of a potential package that includes the Minnesota pick if they want to potentially uh, build a big three if they can't uh, get that I actually think Andrew Wiggins could be a solid long-term piece on this roster he's just another guy that when Curry isn't on the floor you don't want creating a ton of offense because even though he is a pretty decent creator this is what made has made Andrew Wiggins much better this year is that he hasn't been forced to create as much he's been a guy who's just been able to hone in on the defensive side of the ball get catch and shoot threes and get a lot of easy buckets at the basket now obviously he's still going to take his mid-range jumpers uh, but with him taking much less of those this year it has actually made him a much better player because uh, he's taking just much more efficient and smart shots uh, and then you just look down this roster and there's a lot of guys that you just wouldn't really see on many NBA rotations but you see in the Warriors rotation even if they're not like the worst players ever they shouldn't be getting as many minutes as they do like Damian Lee is a pretty uh decent role player and like he's he's not bad or anything but he'd probably be getting maybe 12 minutes instead of the near 20 that he does uh, on most teams Jordan Poole's had a pretty solid year and he's definitely been a nice uh surprise for them I'd really like to see how he's played uh, after coming out of the G League because he had a really uh, rough rookie year Eric Paschal is one of those guys who had a good rookie year uh, but he isn't a good shooter which they definitely lack it's kind of crazy how just much Steph Curry and uh, Clay Thompson have masked the fact that in the past couple of years like outside of those guys and obviously KD when he was there the shooting on this roster has never been great and I feel like that's really been exposed now that they only have Curry who's a really good shooter because even though Andrew Wiggins is shooting around 40 percent I'd say he's probably an above average shooter, but I wouldn't say really good. Uh, they just definitely lack a lot of elite shooters because you look at Kelly Oubre, Eric Pascal, 
uh, Draymond, Ken Bazemore isn't a great shooter. There's just a lot of guys who aren't super great shooters. And then even the guys who are pretty good shooters aren't super high minutes, guys. It's a weird it's a weird balance where a lot of the guys that are better players than the better shooters uh, get more minutes. And it can just look really rough with the spacing at times. James Wiseman has had a super up and down year so far. And he's a guy who I expected to have an up and down year. And this hasn't surprised me, but he's definitely been getting a lot of criticism. And I think that makes sense. I wasn't super high uh, on James Wiseman coming out of the draft. I'll be completely honest. He wasn't my number one center on the board. Uh, I liked Onyeka Kongwu more than him. He was about my number seventh player in the draft. I'm just not a big fan of his game. And I think it mostly comes from, uh, again, an issue with a lot of the players on this roster. is lack of basketball IQ. Uh, I think that can definitely grow. He's still 20 years old, super young kid. Uh, he literally just had his birthday a couple days ago, so definitely give him time. I'm not giving up on him by any means, but he is one of those players that that was one of the bigger questions coming into the draft. What is basketball IQ and was how uh, smart he actually was about the game? Because even though he is a guy who's super athletic, I mean, for how uh, tall he is at seven foot and 240 pounds, he is not a guy who just seems to have a super nuanced understanding uh, of the game. That is something that will grow throughout time, and it's just going to take time. But for a team that is trying to win basketball right now, it can just look really rough to have James Wiseman out there. And it's, again, just this weird mix of you want to develop him because he was your second overall pick. It's not like he was a 20th overall pick and you could get away with only playing him a bit. This guy was taken ahead of a lot of really good players. So you have to give him minutes, but you're also trying to win games and that can just be a weird power balance and can definitely just lead to some awkward moments where he's getting benched and then the next game he'll maybe play like 30 minutes. It's just been a super up and down weird season for him and honestly, I just don't know what else they really expected out of a guy like Wiseman because with him not really playing college like that he was going to be a guy who took a lot of time to develop and that makes complete sense uh they've just definitely been struggling recently they look so awful when that man Stephen Curry isn't on the floor and I think we really just need to appreciate the greatness of Stephen Curry uh as a player and appreciate how impactful he is because that is so crazy that they are the 11th worst offense in NBA history when he isn't on the floor with scoring being the way it is right now with everybody uh scoring so much it it's just it's just mind-boggling that they can be that bad without him on the floor and that raptors game really showed it i'm definitely worried about the warriors they're barely uh holding on to being a play-in team at first i thought the top 10 in the west was pretty solidified but some people are streaking right now some people are playing some good basketball and they're playing some of their worst basketball at a bad time it's not looking so good for the warriors and i'm definitely a bit worried about them i'm gonna take a break and be right back Okay, I'm back to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, who I feel like have been playing some really good basketball recently. And I'll be asking the question, 
are the Milwaukee Bucks a contender in the Eastern Conference, which I do think is a very, very interesting question that I honestly don't really know if I have an answer to. Giannis has been absolutely dominating as of late. I've been so impressed with just the assertiveness from him and his takeover mindset that he's had recently, even though his numbers haven't been uh, super uh, crazy better than last year and they actually have dipped in certain areas. I don't know. It's just a certain feeling that I have with Giannis this year that I feel like uh, it wasn't really there last year because they're in a lot more close games and he's done a very good job of closing out multiple games and just being so aggressive down the stretch and really just asserting his will over everybody, especially recently. He's had so many phenomenal games and even though he's probably not going to win MVP because voters fatigue is a thing at the end of the day. Uh, that just kind of is what it is. He's having an MVP level season for sure, dominating on both sides of the ball uh, like you would expect from Giannis and just having a very, very good season. Uh, I do hope this uh, holds over to the playoffs. Uh, I don't really think his playoff struggles have been fully on him, even though at the end of the day, you do have to play better in certain moments. I'll always criticize uh, Mike Budenholzer more than Giannis for his playoff struggles. Uh, but I do hope he can just continue this level of play because the way he's been playing recently has just been out of this world. Uh, absolutely dominated uh, last night. Had one of the uh, better games of the year, scoring 47 points on 21 shots versus Portland, which is just crazy. Only missed three shots, 12 rebounds. He's just been in takeover mode recently, and he's been playing just so, so amazing. And I don't know. It's just this weird feeling where I feel like this is a different Giannis Antetokounmpo, even though it's not like he's gotten... Uh, much better as a player or anything because he was already so great. Uh, Chris Middleton has had a very good season and has gone from a player that I feel like last year was maybe slightly overrated just by certain people. He obviously had a fantastic year, and I think him being a little bit overrated wasn't him really. It was more just certain people kind of putting him on a pedestal that he didn't really deserve. But Chris Middleton has gone back to being, in my opinion, super underrated just because the Bucks haven't really gotten as much attention because they haven't been doing anything out of the ordinary they haven't been dominating or anything you know they were on pace to win like 60 plus games last year before uh the break uh but this year they've just been a very very good team nothing that has really stood out so that has really just uh gone to underrate how good of a player chris middleton is he's the guy who a lot of time is closing down the stretch he's shooting the ball so well this year he's shooting almost 44% from three on 5.1 attempts per game. Uh, he's just been so fantastic. Something that's gone really under the radar throughout his career is just his growth as a, as a playmaker. He's averaging almost five and a half assists per game per game this year which is very very solid and something that doesn't get mentioned nearly enough he's a pretty solid pick and roll player and just the perfect complementary guy alongside Giannis who can just give him another option uh down the stretch 
as a guy who can create on the perimeter. Uh, I really want to see just at the end of the game more Giannis and Chris Middleton pick and rolls because uh, that is a thing that I think is basically unstoppable for any NBA team. Uh, so that is definitely something I would love to see in a playoff series. But Chris Middleton is definitely a super underrated dude this year who's having a fantastic season. I uh, definitely deserved to be in more all-star conversations than he was. Uh, I'm not really surprised he didn't make it, but he's had a fantastic year and just hasn't gotten the credit for it and has been that uh, second or third guy, depending on how good you think Drew Holiday is, that the Bucks have really needed. Drew has had a super solid year. Hasn't really been as aggressive on the offensive side of the ball as I may have wanted him to be, uh, but he's had a very good year still uh, despite that. He's shooting the ball much better than he has these past couple of years, shooting 38% from three on 4.8 attempts per game, playmaking, which is something that they really needed. Uh, he's another guy who I think down the stretch of Giannis and him pick and roll, which they've definitely run a good amount. is uh, a really good play because he is a very, very solid overall score and then such a good uh, playmaker as well. He's bringing that consistent perimeter defense uh, that they had with Eric Bledsoe, but it's definitely at an elevated level with Drew Holiday. And the thing I think that is just by far the biggest difference between him and Eric Bledsoe is that you can rely on him not only to play the same caliber of basketball in the playoffs, but to actually step up his game. Uh, his playoff track record has been very good so far throughout his career. Obviously, he had that phenomenal series uh, against the Portland Trailblazers. And I think how well he plays is really the big difference. Uh, in them potentially being a contender. Obviously, it's going to be very hard for them to beat uh, the Brooklyn Nets, even though I do think they are a very good matchup for that team. And I feel like this uh, potential playoff matchup hasn't been brought up nearly enough because we're all talking about how good the Nets are. We talked about the 76ers a lot. And I think both of those teams obviously deserve their attention. And then everyone else is talking about the East being super disappointing with so many teams struggling. But no one's talking about just how consistent this Milwaukee Bucks team uh, has been throughout the year and how uh, potentially they could be very, very dangerous. The one thing that uh, I do think could hold them back is Mike Boonholzer's coaching. I do feel like it's been better this year. I think he's changed up some of his philosophies a bit that have kind of burnt him in the past. My one thing with uh, Mike has always just been his lack of adjustments, which in my opinion is the most important quality in a good NBA coach is your ability to adjust and adapt uh, to whatever circumstances thrown at you. And I feel like that is something he struggled at in the past, but they've changed up their defensive scheme a bit, which I'd like to see uh, where they're still doing the scheme uh, for the most part, where they're dropping on pick and rolls a lot and kind of allowing more open threes than most teams do nowadays. But they're doing that less with, which I think will definitely be a big uh, benefit to them because that was always something that helped them in the regular season. And I feel like this went super underrated because it is something that you don't really see until the playoffs is how much their schemes uh, really just held them back from being as good of a team as they could have been uh, because they would always allow those open threes. And in the regular season against lower caliber teams, that wouldn't ever matter just because those teams wouldn't really hit those shots. So as long as they were defending the basket as well as they did and not allowing uh, the most efficient shots, they were going to let teams hit uh, threes because they were facing mostly below average rosters. But when you get in the playoffs and when you get 
against really good coaches like Eric Spolstra, who have such fantastic three-point shooting teams like the Miami Heat did last year, that's really going to burn you. So I hope they continue to go away from that, even if it's going to still be part of their defense, and kind of switch more to this newer style of defense where they're still having some of the same principles, but now closing out to shooters better. Uh, They actually have the best offense points per game-wise in the league at 119, which is definitely something that's gone uh, super under the radar. Bobby Portis is someone who I feel like has made a massive impact for them. I praised the signing in the offseason a ton because I just thought it was a phenomenal move for them, and it's definitely uh, proven to be true. He's a guy who's averaging 11 points off the bench, nearly 7 rebounds, and shooting 47% from 3 on 2.4 attempts. He is a player who fits so perfectly with them uh, because he is the perfect guy alongside Giannis and I think this should be their closing lineup down the stretch where they have Bobby Portis at the four and Giannis at the five uh, because I do think Giannis playing center is where he would succeed the most and would be the most dangerous my uh, closing lineup for them would be Drew Holiday, Dante DiVincenzo, Chris Middleton, Bobby Portis and Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, because I just think that allows you to have so much spacing you could run five out and then run a ton of pick and rolls with Giannis which is in my opinion an unstoppable formula and I think Bobby Portis is a key part to their potential deep playoff run and their potential large success. I think that was just such a good pickup that again went super under the radar. Uh, PJ Tucker is another guy who can play in that lineup uh, down the stretch. He's uh, had a pretty bad year so far and he definitely hasn't been super good with the Bucks uh, ever since he's joined them but I hope and think he can turn it around a bit. He's a player who is super old so this may just uh, be his decline Uh, But I do still think he has something left in him to be an impactful player. I really like what Dante DiVincenzo brings to this team. I was a bit of a Swiss Army knife, pretty decent on defense, and an overall solid offensive player who's shooting the ball much better this year, which was the one step he needed to take the most, was just to become a consistent three-point shooter. And I would say five attempts per game shooting 38% is pretty damn consistent. Uh, So he's definitely going to be another huge part of their success that not a lot of people are talking about. And I love that he's finally taking over those Pat Connaughton minutes because Pat Connaughton was a player who always got way more minutes than he should have. He's not a bad player or anything, uh, but I just feel like Mike Boonholzer loved Pat Connaughton so much. And he's actually getting more minutes in the regular season this year. And that mostly just comes from the fact that they're having more close games. So basically all of their uh, higher rotation players are getting more minutes. But I just hope when it comes playoff time, he's not getting a ton of minutes uh, like he did in last playoff run. I do think this team has the potential to be a contender. I think it's basically all contingent on uh, how well Mike Boonholzer coaches this roster. I would still pick the Nets uh, out of the East, uh, but I do think a potential playoff series between them and the Philadelphia 76ers to show who was the second best team in the Eastern Conference would be a very interesting one to watch. And I do think this team does have potential to make it out of the East, especially if the Nets are injured, uh, which is... At the end of the day, even though I obviously hope no one's injured, uh, is a pretty high likelihood with uh, Kevin Durant just having the injury issues that he has had recently and Kyrie Irving with his uh, very extensive uh, history of knee injuries and other injuries in the past as well. Giannis will dominate that series and probably uh, has the potential to have one of the better series
Hardys we've seen in a while. Drew Holiday is a fantastic matchup. Uh, whether you want to put him on Kyrie Irving or James Harden, uh, I think Dante DiVincenzo would do a good job of guarding the other person. Uh, Chris Middleton is a great matchup against KD, and Giannis is going to uh, dominate anyone on uh, the defensive side of the ball. And while also being crazy on offense, because hopefully they'll be running a lot with him at the small ball five. And as much as I like a guy like Nicholas Claxton, uh, I don't think he could hold the honest at all. I think that's a super interesting potential playoff matchup. And I think they're just a team that uh, deserves to get some more recognition. I'm really excited to see how they play down the stretch this year. Uh, but they've had a very solid season, which just has gone pretty under the radar. And I do think the Milwaukee Bucks can definitely be contenders. And they look better this year the drew holiday acquisition is proving to be a very very good one and i just think this team deserves more recognition i like how they've been playing recently and i like how Giannis antetokounmpo is just completely dominating dominating and proving to be the mvp caliber player that he is Next team I want to talk about is the Dallas Mavericks, who, in my opinion, are by far the most dangerous lower-seeded playoff team in both conferences. This team is going to be a roster that no one wants to face in a potential first round of the playoffs. They've been playing some really good basketball recently. If you look at like all the advanced stats in the past 10 to 20 or so games, they've been one of the better teams in the NBA as a whole. They have a top five record uh, since I think it's like February 2nd or something. They have one of the best records in the NBA and have just been playing some real impressive basketball recently. It all starts with Luka Doncic, my favorite player in the NBA, and he has been fantastic this year. He's having his best season ever by far. I don't care that statistically, just looking at points per game, rebounds, and uh, per game and assist per game. This is about the same season as last year. But if you are watching these games, Luca is significantly better than he was last year. It is not even close. The one thing that so many people are criticizing about him at the beginning of the year, and it's so funny to me that no one is talking about this really. Luca is shooting almost. 38% from three on eight attempts per game while taking some of the highest difficulty of threes out of anyone in the league. That is so impressive for him to shoot that good of a percentage. He's not only become an average to above average shooter, he is getting into elite shooter category, and that can not be uh, undervalued how much better of a shooter he's been this year this recent like streak of games that he's been on after such a slow start has been crazy if you take out that slow sh start he's been an above 40 percent three-point shooter his shooting has been ridiculous for a while now and that is definitely a big thing he's taken uh, a step in into potentially becoming one of if not potentially the best player in the NBA I think Luca has to start getting put into that conversation and that may seem premature for a lot of people but the way this uh 22 year old kid is dominating games on a consistent basis is so incredible to watch he's shoot, shooting the mid-range more this year which i love to see that's a thing that i really wanted him to see uh to 
uh, take a step in this year was just his volume of shots in the mid-range areas. That's something that was kind of a non-factor last year. I don't think it was something that he couldn't do. It was just not something that he really did. It was mainly threes and layups, which even though statistically that is like the most efficient way to score, I do like just when players mix that uh, mid-range game into their uh, – bag of tricks just because I think it makes him such more of a dynamic player and he'll just do a lot of times where he just does a nice short step back gets into a mid-range shot off the pick and roll especially when they give him space uh, he could either go into uh, a bit of a longer floater or his mid-range shot that's definitely been something that's been nice to see I want to see him improve as a free throw shooter that's something I uh, just want to see him get better at for sure and I think that's the thing that really just levels his games up so much if he can become an 80 to 82 percent three-point uh, free throw shooter I mean that would be so phenomenal for him and would just generate a couple more easy points per game. That would be great to see. But we all know he's one of the best playmakers in the NBA. He consistently hits his shooters so well. And even though his shooters have been kind of inconsistent throughout the season, he's still doing such a good job of finding them and being unselfish with hitting them. He's one of the best finishers in the league, even though he won't be dunking on top of people's heads that often. His footwork around the basket, his uh, touch, all that just makes him so phenomenal. And his ability to control pace is easily one of the best parts of his game. It's one of those things where even though he's not the most athletic guy, and this was a big criticism coming out of the draft, his ability to control pace uh, still makes it easy for him to blow by some of the most athletic people in the NBA. It's something that a guy like uh, Shea Gildas Alexander, who I'm a big fan of as well, has. And I always love when players are able to control their pace so, so well uh, because it's something that you don't need athleticism for. It's all about just having skill, and uh, it always causes those players to never be out of control. Luke is having an MVP caliber year, and even though he's not getting that MVP hype that he was earlier on in the season, he's having by far his best year. He's much improved on the defensive side of the ball as well. It's just been a phenomenal year for him, and especially recently, he's playing such high caliber basketball, which is leading to this team winning. Kristaps uh, Porzingis is getting into rhythm. While he still has not been as good as you'd want him to be on the defensive side of the ball, and I want to see that be better for sure, it is getting slowly better and better. He's shooting the ball pretty well, being a nice second option for Luka, and has just been much more consistent in recent games. And hopefully this will just be like last year as well, where he had a bit of a slow start to the season, coming off an injury, but then he turns it up later into the season as he gets rhythm and obviously he needs to stay healthy come playoff time uh if he's not healthy then at this point it may be time to give up on uh Porzingis but if he can stay healthy and can continue to ramp up and just be better game by game that's going to be so huge to this team potentially having a lot of success because we saw in that Clipper series and in the bubble as a whole uh Chris Stapps that's playing as high as level as he can uh is a player that is completely unstoppable he's one of the most naturally gifted and most talented uh players in the NBA as a whole so hopefully he can just hone that talent and uh continue to stay healthy that is a big x factor for them Jay Jalen Brunson is such a nice guy to have on this roster who could play both with and without the ball, which is such an important uh, factor when you're playing with a guy like Luka because he can play backup point guard minutes and control the offense when Luka's out of the game, but can also play with Luka 
and be a really nice backcourt mate, a guy who's shooting almost 40% from three, really efficient player as a whole with a 64% true shooting, good playmaker too, everything you'd want out of a nice combo guard in this league. He's definitely had a really good season for them and is another big part of their potential success. Josh Richardson is another guy who's ramping up, playing better game by game. You'd still want him to be a better shooter for sure, uh, but he is a guy who's definitely helped this team on the defensive side of the ball, which is something that they needed. Uh, Bring some secondary ball handling and uh, occasional shot creation ability as well. And, And with him continuing to shoot better but still not great he has definitely been impactful for this roster and is being the guy that they needed him to be when they initially traded for him tim hardaway juniors had a really good year shooting almost 40 percent uh from three on seven and a half attempts per game another guy who's just playing his role perfectly even though he'll take a bad shot here and there for sure that's just kind of what comes with tim hardaway as a whole he's having uh, a really good year and has definitely been a a pretty consistent piece for them which has been really nice to see because I was by far his biggest issue earlier on in his career was just how up and down and how streaky he used to be uh, but he's been real solid uh, so far this year and is uh, playing some good basketball for them Dorian Finney-Smith perfect guy alongside Luke a nice versatile wing shoots the ball all right good defender cuts to the basket well can catch a lob occasionally from him uh, uh, Nicola Melli they traded for he's fit a nice role for them as someone who can shoot the ball as a big he's not going to be someone who ever plays that many minutes like he's literally only played nine minutes per game uh, since they traded for him but I just do like the role that uh, he'll play for them I love Maxi Kleber easily one of my favorite role players in the league because my the Mavericks are probably my second or third most watched team it's either them or the Nuggets uh, and I just I love watching Maxi Kleber so much because he's one of those guys who just understands his role to a T and plays it so perfectly he's a phenomenal three-point shooter shooting 43 and a half percent from three on 4.2 attempts and that is basically all the shots he takes is threes and then he'll catch a lob occasionally really good pick and roll slash pick and pop partner with Luka Doncic uh, and he's just a reliable guy uh, can guard multiple positions on the defensive side of the ball the perfect role player perfect fit alongside Luka uh, this is what I loved about the Mavericks coming into the year and why I actually thought they were going to be the second best team in the Western Conference which I knew it was a bold opinion and I knew it definitely couldn't be true and hasn't been true this year. The one thing that I was pretty confident in is that no matter what, these guys were going to fit alongside Luka because they just do have a bunch of guys who fit the play style Luka. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, a guy who's going to just run the floor and catch lobs, is the perfect type of center to put on alongside uh, Luka Doncic. Dwight Powell, even though he's pretty up and down and I know... I know Mavericks fans have their opinions on him, especially ever since he's come back from the Achilles injury. He hasn't been too good this year, uh, but he does still fit the ideal uh, type of uh, big man you want alongside Luka. And I do love everybody that they drafted, and I really hope those guys can emerge. I do think they made a mistake uh, not drafting Desmond Bain. That's a pick that I thought was almost guaranteed to happen. Perfect fit alongside Luka. Great defender, really good shooter. I don't think Josh Green is bad or anything. Uh, I just think it would have made more sense to draft a guy who was going to be more ready and was uh, going to have almost as high of a ceiling too. Josh Green probably has a higher ceiling than Desmond Bain just because of how how younger he is, but I don't think his ceiling is like significantly higher than him. 
Uh, I just do like the way the Mavericks have been playing re- recently. And they're just one of those teams that no one is going to want to face at all come playoff t- time. Like, imagine you get the second seed and your reward for getting the second seed in the conference is playing Luka Doncic in the first round. That is tough, bro. Like, if you're a team like the Suns, I think the Suns are really good. But that's a, probably a six or seven game series, especially if Porzingis is healthy and is playing well. That's a tough-ass series right there because Luka is just such a fantastic player. And that's a really, really uh, just interesting uh storyline is who is going to have to face the Mavericks in the first round because no one wants to face that team and obviously like if you're a playoff caliber roster you're not no one's going to want to face you really but especially when it comes to the Mavericks this is a team that everyone is going to be uh, trying to avoid uh, when it's like later in the games and everybody's just kind of fighting for seeding at that point. No one's going to want to face the Mavericks because they can beat you on any given night. And Luka has done that so many times this year where single-handedly he'll dominate and be the reason why the Mavericks pull off a win. And especially if they can continue to have everyone else clicking the way that they have, this team is real, real scary. And I've been super impressed with how they've played recently. Shout out to my boy Luka. Love watching him as always. Good win over the Knicks uh, last night. Hopefully they can win against the Washington Wizards tonight. They got some tougher competition. They got uh, to face the Utah Jazz, the Milwaukee Bucks, the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, they have to face the Philadelphia 76ers. Like They got some tougher teams coming up, so it's a big time for them to continue to win games and prove how good they can be because I think this team is really, really good and super dangerous in the playoffs. Love the Mavericks and have been impressed by them recently. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back to give a rookie report card for about the lottery and a couple more picks out of the 2020 NBA draft. I just wanted to do this as a bit of a checkup to see how everybody was doing so far. This will all be relative based upon my expectations as well as just the typical expectations for where these guys were picked. Not necessarily just how each of them are doing. Uh, Just again, relative to my expectation. That's how I always like to do my grades. So first starting off with the number one overall pick, we got Anthony Edwards and I would probably give him a B to a B plus. He's definitely been up and down like I expected, but his highs have definitely been a lot higher than I've expected. And he's been playing some really great basketball recently, showing off all those athletic tools that he has and just being the potential great scorer that we all know he he could be coming into the draft, but I just didn't think it was going to come this quick. He's obviously had some really bad inefficient moments, which I expected. But again, the highs and the peaks that he's had this season have been just really fun to watch. And he's been a very, very uh, solid player for the Timberwolves and is just on such a nice upward trajectory. So he definitely deserves a good grade. I'd give him a B to a B plus. Uh, for the number two overall pick, we got James Wiseman. And I'd probably give him a C minus. He's a guy who I expect expected to definitely have some struggles. I wasn't a huge fan of him coming out of the draft. I was definitely more of an Anyeka Kongwu guy as the number one big in the class. 
And I just thought a lot of people were better than him. He's a super raw player. So I expected him to have some really rough up and down moments. And that's what it's been uh, so far. Some moments where he's looked fantastic and others where he's looked real, real bad and has been a big negative for the Warriors. Uh, So, yeah, it's definitely a little bit below my expectations, but I expected a rough season from him. Uh, The big man position is really hard to translate to, and he didn't play in college at all. So this should have been expected from, from most people. And uh, Lamelo Ball doesn't. Uh, not much needs to be said. A plus. I expected Lamelo to be pretty good, but I expected him to be uh, just like these other guys. I expected him to be super up and down as well. I expected his efficiency to be pretty bad, but he was phenomenal before he got injured. Super sad that he did end up getting uh, injured. That was really really uh, tough for the Hornets, but he's been fantastic this entire year and has been one of the best rookies we've seen in a while. So he definitely deserves an A plus. Uh, I think Patrick Williams deserves an A to an A plus as well. His numbers aren't super flattering but they are very solid and the thing that I've liked the most is his defensive potential and his defensive upside I expected him to be a bit of a project player not in a bad way I just thought he was one of those guys who was going to take a bit of time to develop but he was going to end up being pretty good Uh, but he's been immediately very very good for the Chicago Bulls on both sides of the ball ball, especially on defense he's been super impressive for them Uh, Isaac Okoro I'd probably give a C he is exactly what I expected him to be which was a guy who had a lot of defensive upside and a lot of defensive potential and looked really good on that side of the ball uh, at times. But his offense was going to take some time to come along. He's had some nice offensive moments for sure, but it's been pretty streaky, pretty uh, up and down, just like you would expect for most guys, and especially uh, a guy who was as raw of an offensive prospect as he was. Uh, but he's been solid for the Cavs, just nothing that I uh, didn't really expect. He's had a decent rookie year so far relative to his expectations. Uh, Nyeka Kongwu, this is the weirdest one for me to grade. I'd probably give him like a C minus. He's been uh, decent in the minutes he's played. Uh, but the thing about uh, Kongwu is I love him as a player. But the thing is, Clint Capella has been so good this year that it's actually been a bit of a negative uh, for them just future-wise because they uh, picked Anyeka Kongu because I think they just thought Clint Capella was going to be really solid for them uh, and then was going to be a guy they were going to be able to move on was going to be kind of expandable. But he's been their second-best player for a lot of the year. He's been fantastic this season. So it makes that pick a little bit interesting. He's been a solid backup five. Uh, but yeah, that one's just super weird for me to evaluate because I don't really know how good uh, Kong was going to be when he actually does get the opportunity. I wish they just drafted a different player and he could have slid to a team like the Wizards that would have really needed him. Uh, but yeah, I give him a C minus. It's just a weird thing to grade at the end of the day. Uh, Killian Hayes, I'd probably have to give a D. He played a very very limited amount of games but he was really rough in those games efficiency was super bad and it just didn't look good as a whole Uh, I do still really like Killian Hayes and I'm still giving him plenty of time I'm not a guy who likes to give up on players early at all and I think it would be super immature to give up on a guy like Killian Hayes especially with him playing the point guard position which is the hardest position for him to translate and him having no time to really prove himself anyway can't really evaluate him yet, but the minutes that he did play didn't look good. I think he's going to have a really good second year, though, and definitely don't give up on Killian Hayes yet. Uh, at number eight, the Knicks drafted Obi Toppin. I'd probably give this a D-minus. 
Uh, the thing about Obi Toppin for me is I thought he was going to be a player who didn't have as high of a ceiling as a lot of these other guys due to his age, but I thought he was going to be NBA ready and was going to be really good immediately. He was one of the guys who I thought could have won rookie of the year just because I thought he was going to put up some pretty decent numbers, even if they may have not been like crazy impactful. I just thought he was going to be ready for the NBA immediately, and he has not been that. His uh, defense, which was the one big worry, has not looked good so far this year. He's had some really rough moments on defense, sometimes where he's not even playing because of it. And then he's been behind Julius Randle, who's had such a fantastic year. Uh, so I just think it wasn't the right situation for him. And he also just hasn't been playing as good as he should have. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely been a weird season for Obi, and I'd have to give it a D- minus to a D. It's definitely been a big, big disappointment. Uh, for the Wizards, they drafted Denny Adia at 9, and I'll probably give it a solid uh, C+, plus, maybe B-. minus. The one thing about Denny is that he just hasn't uh, really played the correct role, I think. I think Denny Adia is a very good player. My one thing is he just... Uh, a lot of the time really doesn't have the ball in his hand enough, which I think is something they definitely need to work on, just getting him the ball more because he's shown some really nice uh, playmaking flashes. And when he does play, he looks really good, uh, but it's just not consistently him always playing. Uh, so I definitely just want to see that more. And I think he can really be unlocked as a potential very, very good player, a Swiss army knife who can just do a bunch of different things on both sides of the ball. But he's had a cool rookie year so far, and I do really like his potential in the future. Uh, the Suns drafted Jalen Smith at number 10, and I'd probably give this pick a D just because I feel like it didn't fit what they needed. I would have loved to see them take a backup point guard who could be the long-term uh, backcourt mate alongside Devin Booker after Chris Paul was going to be off the team. So I wanted them to take someone like Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Kira Lewis, uh, or like Kira Lewis Jr. I think that would have been a good pick. Or another versatile defensive wing like a Devin Vassell. Uh, Jalen Smith, I actually really like him as a player. I just don't think this was the right place for him to go. DeAndre Ayton's had a good year so far. They play uh, some smaller guys at the four position, so he can't really play the four. And then Dario Sarge has played the backup five and has done it masterfully. He's had a fantastic year so far. So he just really hasn't gotten many minutes at all. I think he's a good player, uh, but I just uh, haven't really seen enough from him. And I wish he went to a team like the Pelicans who really could have used his services. Uh, but he went to a team that I feel like just doesn't really need him and probably won't need him for a while unless they do want him to be a uh, power forward, which I think center is just a more natural fit for him. Uh, at number 11, the Spurs drafted Devin Vassell, uh, which I think was a pretty good pick, and he's had a cool rookie year. It's the Spurs, so you can never expect the rookies to play too much. I think he'll be fantastic for them at some point, uh, but I just don't think that some point is yet. He's had some nice moments, though, and I'd probably give that pick a C. It's about exactly what I expected. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, another one, pretty obvious, A+. He's been fantastic this year. I love Tyrese Halliburton coming into the draft, but he's been much better than I could have ever expected. The jump shot is trans translated and just all the little things he does basketball IQ wise is translated as well he's been great uh Kira Lewis Jr I'd probably give it a C minus uh he's been a very decent uh player at certain points like he's had some nice moments here and there and lately he's been playing better uh but there's definitely been some rough moments for him where he's been super inefficient and I just don't like that pick due to how many guards they have uh he's again one of those players that I really personally like a lot but I just don't like the position he went to uh but he's had a cool rookie year it's a 
what you would expect out of a rookie guard, which for the most part for all these guys is going to be up and down moments, some really nice uh, high moments, but a lot of times where he's just not playing that much and he just doesn't look too great. Uh, the Celtics drafted Aaron Nesmith at number 14, and as a Celtics fan, this has been a pretty rough pick so far. I'd probably have to give it a D to a D-. minus. Uh, he's a guy who's had some nice moments. I love his hustle. I love the heart that he plays with, but the shooting has been underwhelming, uh, and he just hasn't been as good as I expected him to be. I thought he was going to be an immediate, pretty impactful player off our bench and fill a big role that we needed. Uh, but he just really hasn't done that so far. Just looking at some other guys that I want to give some love. Isaiah Stewart's been much better than I expected uh, for the Detroit Pistons. I'd probably give him an A to uh, an A minus. He's been really, really solid for them. Uh, Sadiq Bay, I would give him uh, a B plus probably. Uh, the grade isn't super high just because I. Uh, really liked Sadiq Bey coming out of the draft. He was one of my favorite prospects, and I thought he was going to be really good, and that's what he has been. Uh, Alexis Pokusevsky, I'd probably give a C to a C plus to. Been what I expected, a project player, but has crazy potential and has had some really nice moments. Uh, Manuel Quickly, I'd give it a solid A minus. He was a player that I liked, but I didn't know he was going to be so great. Uh, immediately he's been a really nice spark off that bench at times and has started games as well and whatever role he's played in he's done it well uh, Payne Pritchard for the Celtics I'd have to give an A plus just because I was not a fan of that pick at all so he has exceeded my expectations by so much I just thought he was one of those guys who was going to be a really good college player and could have been a decent NBA player but I didn't think he was going to be so solid immediately uh, Desmond Bain I would give a B to just because I already loved him coming into the draft and he's been super impactful for a Grizzlies team that's trying to win games which is really really impressive uh, as a rookie and that's most of the guys that I uh, wanted to point out uh, I think this draft class has uh, surprised a lot of people myself included I like the draft class more than the majority did but even for me who liked it so much a lot of these guys have been playing much better basketball than you could have ever expected even some of these second round guys like Saban Lee uh, Xavier Tillman uh, these guys are just playing winning basketball and are already impactful role players on good teams uh, so yeah that's my uh, rookie report card at this point i'll probably do another one of these at the uh end of the year as well and shout out to mojo 99 uh nba youtuber i got the idea inspired from uh definitely check out his channel he makes some really cool draft content talks about young players a lot uh but yeah that is my rookie report card at this point in the season that has been the episode of the under pressure podcast it's been michael peace out